on some level, what's wrong with most of our branding and recruitment marketing is that it's actually too good. I mean, not too creative, not too interesting, not too useful. We'll talk about that stuff in other podcasts, I think. But it's too good. It's presenting too bright and shiny a picture of what it's like to be there. Um, you know, like I, I've made the joke many, many times and no one's called me on it. Um, I've, I've seen your career sites and every single one of them has smiling people. Anybody here not have smiling people on their career sites? Anybody here have a frowning person on their career sites? And of course the answer is invariably no. Why would you do that? And then I say, well, now look around your office. Is that what people look like? Of course not. We're human beings. We're messy. We're problematic. We're pretty much just a nightmare, right? Uh, some of us, not just me, right? Um, please, not just me. <laughs> But we're presenting too rosy a picture. Now, that's a problem in and of itself. But I think the real interesting problem is what happens when you're creating a very rosy picture to do your job, right? You've been tasked with attracting applicants, ta attracting talent, attracting people to learn more about your company, right? You've done the good work of not trying to, of convincing your boss that your job is not to attract people to apply, but simply to attract people to learn more about you so that they can go through the process of deciding to apply. The trick is what happens when there's an elephant in the room? What happens when there's a thing that everybody knows about and nobody talks about and you have to work around it? And that's what we're going to talk about today, okay? So, uh, yeah, no big uh, sh switch here. I'm just going to say uh, we'll be right back because we're going to talk about the elephant in the room. Welcome to the Talent Cast, the world's most caffeinated employer brand and recruiting podcast. I'm your host, James Ellis. Thanks so much for listening. If this is your first time for joining in, we do things a little differently. We try and do deep dives. There's not a lot of interviews here. There's not a lot of news here. This is about how do we get smarter and better? And that means how do I get you smarter and better? How do I get you to think about these problems at a deeper level so that you can solve them and look like a genius to your boss? If this isn't the first time you've been here, thanks so much for returning. Feel free to share with your friends, your coworkers, your boss. I don't know. Uh, we really do appreciate that. All right, let's get into it. Hey, how you doing? James Ellis here. Uh, blah, 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 hire conf, blah, 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 recruit con, but blah, 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 blah. Um, if you're interested in getting a weekly update on the news, on the industry, on uh, what the situation is, how things are cha uh, changing, not so much in a who's up and who's down, but more of a this is what people are talking about. This is what your boss might be sending you soon, so you should be up to date and know what's going on. You should sign up for my newsletter. Yeah, it's a newsletter thing, I guess. It's really not. It's really more of a, just an email from me every Monday morning uh, on just, hey, here's the stuff that most people are reading or people should be reading, and this is why it's interesting, important, or a bad idea. So just go to tinyletter.com slash employer brand. Link will be in the show notes, and I'll send you a nice little email, a no spam, no sell kind of email. Cool. So let's talk about the elephant in the room. The concept itself is so fascinating, right? The idea that there's something we can't talk about. You know, you look at all those movies from the 50s and 60s and all these perfect families and everything was great and, you know, the leave it to beaver kind of world or where everybody, the biggest problem was I couldn't get a date or I got mom a weird gift and it's a little embarrassing for her to have to wear. But you never talk about the fact 
that maybe dad's an alcoholic and maybe mom's having an affair. You never talk about the fact that maybe Beaver has some sort of learning disability that's gone undiagnosed for a very, very long time, which would explain quite a bit. Um, you don't talk about the elephant in the room because if you talk about it, it becomes a problem you have to solve. And usually what happens is these elephants in the room are undiagnosed problems, meaning you can't fix them. At least you can't. Maybe somebody can, but you and your employer brand, recruitment, marketing, talent acquisition, recruiter world, you don't have the influence, authority, or power to make those kinds of changes. So what are we talking about when we talk about an elephant in the room? Well, gosh, while you're busy painting a wonderful picture of what it's like to work there, your stank, your stank, your stock is tanking is what I meant to say. I don't know what stank means in that context at all, but your stock is tanking. Uh, maybe you're being sued. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you your offices have staged a massive walkout, and I could be talking about multiple companies here this year, uh, over policies that the, the leadership has made. Maybe you have been involved in some pretty big lawsuits where you've had to settle some pretty unpleasant activities by your leadership. Perhaps you've had a product that has failed publicly. Uh, perhaps you've had a product that never got out of regulation, that never got out of, uh, you know, clinical trials. Maybe, uh, maybe frankly, your job just stinks. Like literally these are garbage people. They're, they're you know, waste management, garbage processing people that literally everything around them smells bad because it's trash. It's garbage, right? Um, there's an elephant in the room that nobody talks about. Now, I'm not here to tell you you're bad because these things happen. I've worked at some of those companies, really have. I've worked at companies where the, the stock was tanking. I've worked at companies where leadership was flawed and everyone knew it, except uh, seemingly no one talked about it. I've worked at companies where uh, there were lines that you were not allowed to cross and no one talked about them and no one you know, brought them up. But the second you did, people started to get fired. I've been in those companies. And the thing is, everybody knows about the elephant in the room. Why? It's a flippin' elephant. <laughs> That's why it's called that. It is a thing that by its very nature is so patently obvious that you could virtually see it from space, right? This is a big thing. Everybody can see it as a public piece of information that, oh my goodness, this is bad. But here you are in your corner of the world trying to tur polish that turd, trying to make it look okay, trying to make it okay. But really what you're doing is ignoring it completely. Isn't that the usual process of the, of the elephant in the, in the room? You ignore it because, well, there's nothing I can do about it, so I guess I'm just going to have to pretend it doesn't exist. Well, that's a valid strategy, I guess, except for one small, tiny, potentially significant issue. Your candidates can see it too. Now, remember, your job, ultimately, as we talked about in past episodes, is to create meaning in the minds of a candidate. And when they create meaning, they are pulling together all sorts of different information from all sorts of different sources, touch points, experiences, uh, what they see, what they feel, how they reacted, their emotional response, their logical response, all of this stuff. And somewhere in the line, they get that piece of information. They see the elephant in the room. They look at your stock and it's horrible. They look at your, they look you up on Google News and all the news is about walkouts or lawsuits or leadership shenanigans. And that's the nicest possible way to say really some serious, ugly, ugly bad stuff that some leaders have done, which I don't want to get away with, get away, let them get away with, but um, we're just going to call them shenanigans at the moment. That should not mean to downplay the horribleness of it, but simply lets us attach a label to it so we can walk past it and talk about this part of it. Maybe that itself is an elephant in the room. I'm not sure. We got super meta there. Okay, let's not do that. Let us not fall down that rabbit hole. So 
Our job is to create meanings in the candidates, and as the candidates are looking at our lovely, pretty career sites, you wish, if they're looking at their job postings, oh god, that's horrible, if they're looking at our social media, <laughs> maybe, uh, if they squint right, it's okay, um, maybe, you know, we're, we're realizing that they're talking to customer service, hmm, fingers crossed, uh, that they're buying our products and actually like our products, please, 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 but they're also Google Newsing us. They're also seeing the thing that we don't want them to see, the thing that we cannot fix, the thing that we cannot deal with, and thus we are ignoring them. I'm not going to stand here and tell you, and I'm literally standing here, by the way. I Apparently, I've started podcasting standing. It's like, a pod, it's like a standing desk. I'm so much more physical now while I podcast. That is weird. As I stand here, it's the thing that you are avoiding because you can't deal with it. But the trick is you have to think about it. You have to be aware of it. You have to be cognizant that it is a piece of information that you can expect and frankly should anticipate that all your candidates get in their validation researching discovery process, right? That should just be there. If you're ignoring it, what you're saying is, I'm just, there's, since there's nothing I can do, I'm going to walk around it. I'm not even going to deal with it. I'm pretend it does not exist which, like I said, is a valid strategy. It's just not a great strategy. So what are we talking about instead? If it's not ignoring it and we can't fix it, what can we do? Well, we can adjust our communication strategy to reframe and repurpose what is there. Here's the most easy one. And I know because I've done this one, and if I can figure it out, you can figure it out. Your company's stock is tanking. It is horrible. It is falling down like a bowling ball. You tossed off the Empire State Building. Look out below. Please, there's a sidewalk and there are people there. Don't do that. It's, it's a horrible idea with pennies, triply so with bowling balls, I'm sure. I mean, I can do the math. Anyway, your stock has fallen down fast. And how do you attract great nurses, developers, right? Especially the developer side. We're in, this is, a, this is a, uh, an audience that is expecting high salaries, that is expecting a function of their salaries and or bonus to be partly based on stock price, whether they be giving options, whether they be giving shares, whether they be whatever they're given. The stock price is important, right? Now, you think back 20, 30, 40, 50 years in which the stock price of, say, a Ford or a GM went up and down, and it didn't really directly impact the workers on some level you presume the pension fund was based, you know, was funding or was investing in that stock price. So there was a sense of investing in oneself, but that pension fund was probably investing in a lot of other diverse uh, opportunities, a lot of diverse investments. So the stock price dropping 20% one day didn't exactly, yeah, it didn't feel good. It wasn't a great idea. It was an indication that something went wrong or something happened, but your thoughts were, well, gosh, it's not like I'm not going to be able to eat tomorrow. But today, when developers are counting on bonuses and counting on their salaries and seeing their what we lovingly call total compensation um, is based on that stock price. If you've got 1,000 shares and your, your stock is trading at $5 and suddenly it's trading at $4, you just lost 1,000 bucks, right? And frankly, the amount of shares we give half these developers is massive. The 1,000 shares, that's nothing. You're, usually it's five figures in a lot of cases, sometimes six. Leadership, woohoo! They got, they got some serious stock. So you can see a bad day at the stock stock market causes them to lose on paper thousands and thousands, if not tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I'm not saying they're not going to be able to eat. They still got salary. They still got all the other wonderful things that come from being a developer in this day and age. But they're going to feel that pinch a little more directly. So if you're talking to developers and their sense of what is my total compensation is impacted by stock and your stock is bad and not working very well, and maybe you don't even have a sense of not only is it, is it gone down, but there's no hope that it's going to go up. And it's like, 
Ooh, the market has reevaluated how they see our company, and we're no longer being evaluated by by being a, a a technology company. Now people see us more as a book selling company, and that's might be Amazon, I guess. But of course, Amazon isn't a book selling company anymore. Um, but the valuation, the ratio of value, not the ratio, the rate of valuation is much much lower if you're selling physical goods than if you are a tech company. And if the market suddenly decides you're a tech company, what once was a twenty thirty dollars share of stock is now maybe worth five, and it's not like you're suddenly going to change it back, not anytime soon. So you're stuck at this space, and that becomes the elephant in the room. What are you going to do when your stock's not going to go up to twenty dollars anytime in our lifetime? What do you do? Well, here's the answer I would say. Rather than ignore it, you can reframe it and say, "Look, if you go to work at and I'm not picking on people here. If you go to work at a Facebook or a Google or an Amazon, and I can see why you would." Their stock prices are very, very high. You could make the argument, and I'm not doing that because I'm not an investment professional, and frankly, I don't own any stock except for one, and it was given to me, so there you go. I'm not giving investment advice. Um, but if you look at those companies, you say, yeah, our stock is really high, but the question is, can it actually go higher? Is that its max valuation? Is there any room for growth? And if you're talking about total compensation, on some level, the value of the stock is one thing, but the ability to grow is far more important on a lot of levels, right? If you can buy a penny stock and turn it into a $3 stock, that's a huge impact on your bottom line. So the conversation you're going to be having with the elephant around the elephant in the room is, yes, our stock is low. We know that. But that means you have a chance to make a huge impact. We're not at the top of the market. We're at the bottom. That means we can move up and we need your help. Not to mention the fact that because we were at the top, we had hired a lot of great people. And so our talent space is super high level. For a company trading at five or three dollars a share, we can say our talent is, is, is far more valuable than you'd expect it to be, which means you are going to be surrounded by great people. You're going to learn a heck of a lot. And you'll have the chance to actually make a difference, right? No one's going to invent Google News again. No one's going to invent Gmail email again. Those products have been invented by Google. Google's really about how do I sell more ads? That is most of what they think about because that is where most of their income comes from. There's no, you know, that same sense of Google 10 years ago or 20 years ago is not the same as Google today because they've already done some stuff, right? It's simple as that. So when you're thinking about those elephants in the room, your job is to think of how do I re reframe what is acknowledge even though you cannot solve for the problem, right? And then add the content around that, add the messaging, add the ideas so that you can say, look, yeah, bad stock price is bad, but that means it can get good. It doesn't mean it's, it's forever. It means you have the opportunity to make an impact. If turns out that you're f dropping leadership like flies because of sexual harassment uh, lawsuits, and rightfully so, what are you going to say? You're going to ignore them? You could say, no, they're gone. We have made a culture change. This is what we've done to address the situation. We assume it's going to change the culture, and we would like you to play a part in that. Look how you've not said we fixed it or solved it. Well, we kind of sort of, I guess in that case, you kind of sort of say that, but maybe you pull that back a bit. Maybe you can say, look, we've, we are very much aware of the problem, and now we're a company that having been burned, we're going to be doubly cautious in the future, right? If you've been caught where leadership is sexually harassing people, you are going to put some pretty serious policies, and, and, and that lawsuit costs you a lot of money, you're going to put some pretty serious policies because as a stockholder, you're like, I'm not letting that crap happen again. That cost me money. 
if for no other reason beyond the morale 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 issue, the money issue, which always drives these decisions, obviously. Um, you can say, look, I never want to get involved in another one of those uh, uh, lawsuits again. They're incredibly expensive. They're incredibly painful. Let's make sure it never happens again. What do you do? Well, maybe you decide we're going to bring in a lot more female leadership. Maybe we're going to have a lot more stronger HR model. We're going to have a lot culture change. It's not about compliance per se, but it's about, look, we're changing the culture to say that sort of crap is no longer okay, that we're going to hold each other accountable. Yes, this is a place where that sexual harassment ran rampant for a while. Because of that, we're a better company for it. And then you can start to sell about all the other parts of the company that you want to sell, the stuff that you would normally sell. It's not about turning a negative into a positive because there are plenty of times you just can't do that. But you can still say that exists and it's led to these other things. Right, Amazon is my one of my favorite companies to talk about. You should know it. I'm a huge fan, so I say this with a lot of love. Um, right, you, they, the hit job the 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 New York Times did like four or five years ago now about how everybody's crying at their desk. It's a horrible place to work. Um, they talked about how blunt the criticism was, about how brutal the hours were. There was no work-life balance. That everybody was super obsessive with solving these problems, and they made it sound like hell on earth, right? This is a horrible, horrible place. There are ways to do anonymous uh, uh, um, uh, feedback on people that felt like sniping and back, you know, backstabbing and, and, you know, kind of a, you know, like with the, the, the book they do in Mean Girls, right? The, the burn book or whatever it's called. I can't remember what it's called. Um, it's like that. And everybody felt like, oh God, it's super clicky and it's super painful and everybody hates everybody. Everybody's be- stabbing each other in the back, blah, 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 blah. And I told, I've told this story many times, so I want to tell it again. And I talked to Amazon at the time because I was lucky enough to be in a room with some of their talent acquisition and employer brand people. I said, hey, just between you and me, how accurate was that article? And they say, the funny thing is, uh, and when the article came out, everybody was like, ooh, ouch, they're in trouble. No one's going to want to apply for that job ever again. Uh, and I said, how accurate was that article? And he goes, it's 100% accurate. We just frame it differently. We say all those things are true. In fact, we talk about a lot of those things in our application process. It's just that we say, look, with good feedback, with strong feedback, you get better. There's no hiding from the truth. There's no hiding from, if you're an asshole, we're going to tell you you're an asshole. Not because we say you're a bad person and you should die, but just to say, if you're an asshole, maybe you should be more cognizant of the fact that you're an asshole and maybe do something about it. Fix it, mitigate it, solve against it, defend against it, whatever it is. Again, you need to know that stuff. And some criticisms are so brutal that you don't want to put your name against it. Right, So you make it anonymous. And what the newspaper had made sound like a horrible, hateful, mean girls, clicky place was really, in fact, a place, as they saw it anyway, a place where people got good feedback. What they did is they took the tr- what was the elephant in the room. Everybody had read that article. Everybody talked about that article. That's what that article was. It was definitely the elephant in the room. Now recruiters had to reframe and say, all that's true, but here's why we do it, and here's the value of that. They were trying, yeah, they were trying to spin a, a negative into a positive to some extent, but what they were simply doing was reframing what was. They didn't ignore the article. They didn't say, I don't know what you're talking about. They, all, they didn't pretend this is a great culture. What they said was, this is a great culture for the kind of person who can take strong, direct feedback, for the kinds of people who get obsessed with problems and puzzles and solving these issues, for the kinds of people who stay up at night and go, I think I know how to solve this, and they don't just think I'll take care of it tomorrow. They get up and they come to work and they solve the problem. Obsessives, crazy people. 
right? This may sound like some friends of yours. I know it sounds like one or two of my friends. Um, and you know those are the people who go crazy in nine to fives, and those people who go crazy in quote unquote regular straight jobs. This Amazon is not saying we're a company for everybody. They're being very crystal clear about how they're different, and they have to now use the elephant in the room in which to display that differentiation, right? If you're being sued, if you are have walkouts, if you are, you have to talk about it. You have to talk about why it happened. You have to talk about what impact it's made in the company. You have to talk about why it matters because the truth is as candidates are looking at that information, they are creating their own meaning. And without you there being cognizant of it and thinking about it and finding ways to frame it, to put yourself, not just to spin it. And this is not about spinning. I'm not a big fan of spinning. I know sometimes you have to. That's just life sometimes. But really it's about saying, look, right? Here's the deal. The post office sounds like a horrible job to me. And I'm guessing for a lot of you, it sounds like a horrible job to you. The DMV, horrible jobs. But for someone, it is a dream job. It's stable. It's nine to five. You know you've gotten a pension. You know you've got retirement. You don't have to worry. For a subset of people, that is an amazing opportunity. It's a dream job. And they look at your job and go, oh God, no, no way in hell right? For every, it's, everybody's different. And if we try to pretend that everybody's the same or act or forget that everybody's different, we act that everybody's the same and we say, oh, our culture is great. You know my next line. For whom? We're a great place to work. For whom? And that's where the elephant in the room is, becomes a lever for you to kind of loosen the jar a bit to say, look, when we talk about having a great culture, what do we mean? For whom is that a great culture? Is it for the obsessive problem solvers of Amazon? Is it for the stability-seeking uh, post office worker? Is it for the status-seeking person at insert company that's really all razzle-dazzle? Is it about money-seeking like the person at Goldman Sachs or a person at a hedge fund? It, what is this a perfect culture for? Have you ever any of read um, Liar's Poker? Uh, my, like I said, my, I think I've said this before. My dad worked in the stock market in New York City uh, in the same time as Liar's Poker, right? The uh, mid mid eighties, right? Where the stock market was going crazy, the bond markets were going crazy. It was literally where the roots of the two thousand and eight crash, the property crash, started there because they started to slice and dice up the bonds. Anyway, it's a great book, one of my favorite books. I think I read it at least every other year. And my dad used to work in com- he used to work at Merrill Lynch at the same time. And he used to talk about like once a year something so horrible would happen that he would kick his suitcase across the room. Now if you've met my father, you would go he is the kindest sweetest human being who's ever walked the face of the earth. He's just a gregarious, friendly, go along and get along kind of guy. I am nothing like him. <laughs> <laughs> that is to say. But once a year, his job, it was so insane that he was felt provoked to kick his Samsonite suitcase across the room. I know for a fact he did it because for a long time I owned that suitcase with a big old dent in it that his leather loafers, or probably not leather, they were for the lace-ups. Uh, I mean, it was the 80s. He was wearing, probably wearing a two- or three-piece suit. That's the culture. And for a lot of people, that kind of company, a place where you could be so infuriated that it it drives a mild-mannered human being to kick a piece of luggage across the room, a big room, mind you. I I saw that room. Um, You have to say, that sounds like a horrible place to work. 
and yet somehow everybody and their dog applied for those jobs. Everybody wanted to work on the market, whether it was the bond market, the commodities market, the stock market. Everybody wanted a piece of that pie. Everybody had value. So when you say it's a great place to work, you have to say for whom. When you say there's an elephant in the room, you have to be able to say, look, for some people that elephant is not as big an elephant as it is for others and figure out for whom that matters. That's why your job is so fun and hard, but fun because you have very complicated problems put in front of you. You have to represent and communicate a brand that is imperfect. There's a parallel here. Uh, For those of you who date uh, or for those of you who have ever dated, you, as much as I like you, are not perfect. You might have your own personal elephant in the room. You might be overweight. You might have a, uh, what am I looking for? A family history of insanity. You might have a chromosomal defect that only appears once every hundred people, but it's there. You might be saddled and riddled with credit card debt that would make Trump groan. You might be just a little crazy sometimes, right? You're an imperfect human being. And yet somehow you found a way to find someone to date, to find someone to partner with, to find someone to potentially even mate with. I don't know your life, but what we're learning, what we should take from that is this idea that every person is not perfect for everybody, but every person is perfect for somebody. And probably for a lot of somebodies. I mean, it's 7 billion people in this world, right? It's about saying, look, I might be saddled with debt, but I'm figuring it out. I've learned a lot. I've done something right. Look, I might have this genetic defect, but I think if we get testing, we can make sure it's, we can mitigate against it. But I'm bringing it up ahead of time to let you know this is my life. If we're going to have kids, this is a thing we have to consider. That's something you bring up in a dating process, which is why you should date for longer than a month, right? You should date for a while because a lot of this stuff comes out over time. So you can unpack and find all the elephants in the room. That's kind of the process for for looking for a job. You find this company, it's super cool. You're like, what do I need to know? What's the downside? What's the elephant in the room? What's the fatal flaw? What's the, uh, the Achilles heel of this job? Because by the way, every company has one. Every company. You name a company, I don't care who it is. And I look at rankings of companies that everybody wants to work for, top companies like NASA, top companies like SpaceX or Tesla, top companies like Google, top companies like Merck, top companies like, I mean, I know who those companies are, and I know for a fact that every single one of them would be the worst place to work for someone. And it's possible it's because of the elephant in the room. Maybe your owner is Elon Musk, who is his own elephant in whatever room he walks into. Right? If you're NASA, you are one of the most desirable places to work if you're in science. Also, it's a federal-owned agency. Yikes. If that's not an elephant in the room, I don't know what is. Every job has elephants in the room. Every company has an elephant in the room. Your job is to manage and understand it, not to ignore. Ignoring's too easy, and it won't get you very far. You really need to learn how to manage it, frame it, reposition it, and take care of it. You can't solve for it because those things are not solvable. But what you can do is manage how people see it and understand it to create that meaning that you that works on your behalf and works on your company's behalf. If you don't, people make their own meaning and you're not going to be happy with the result. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Otherwise, uh, you know, share it, tell everybody, yada, yada. Uh, I'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. 
Well, the music means you've made it to the end of another episode of the Talent Cast. If this was useful to you, do not keep it a secret. Share it with your team. Share it with your boss. Share it with your networks. I don't know. Share it with your mom. Uh, if you have questions you'd like me to answer on a future show, or just you know general ideas about how to make this thing better, just ping me on Twitter. You know, I'm at the War for Talent. At the War for Talent. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you, and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.